I'm talking about internal balance. I'm not talking about external balance. I'm not talking about externally balancing your time in some equal equation that makes you makes it somehow magically life is balanced. Welcome to the Smart Money Mama Show, where moms get real about money to help you find your financial confidence and live your best life. Now let's talk money, mamas. Hey there, I'm your host, Chelsea Brennan. And mamas, today on the show, we're talking to Rebecca Olson, a life coach for working moms and founder of the coaching program, Aligning Motherhood. I was so excited to connect with Rebecca because she uses a unique combination of mindset, behavioral, and research techniques to coach working moms on how they can achieve their career goals without sacrificing their family. I think that's what we all want. Today, we'll be talking about Rebecca's journey and how you can start to align your ambition and career with motherhood. You're going to love it. As always, stick around until the end of the show to hear my top three takeaways from this conversation with Rebecca, or you can head over to smartmoneymamas.com forward slash Rebecca to download your free Discover Your Passion Project workbook and to access the complete show notes for this episode. Are you ready, mamas? Let's get started. Hey, Rebecca, how are you? I'm good, Chelsea. Thanks for having me on. Super excited. I'm so excited to have you on the show. So can you tell me a little bit about what brings your life coach? What brings your clients to you? I specifically am a life coach for working moms that they're in this sweet spot in life where they are usually high achievers looking to have always had career goals, lofty career goals. And then all of a sudden they become a mom and it feels like everything stops, literally. And they go, what do I do now? I, here's the life I had. And here's what I wanted. I don't know what to do. <laughs> As a mom, you just, it feels like literally everything slows down and you feel like you have to just stop all personal life in order to be a great mom. And it's this weird moment that I help working moms essentially figure out how do you keep moving towards those bigger career goals that you have in your life and still feel like an awesome mom at the same time. Yeah, I think that struggle of after you have kids and feeling like your whole life has been turned upside down because it has is a really scary thing. Do you find that a lot of your clients want to do something completely different or they're just trying to figure out how to balance where they are? I would say it's probably more the first. I think the the working mom that really was in an okay career before, but it may or may not be super fulfilling, but then having kids, realizing that the trade-off to going to that job just is not worth it if it's not fulfilling, that working mom feels immensely more stuck than the working mom that is enjoying their job and is just trying to figure out how do I take on this new thing that sucks time out of me like none other and how do I just balance it all. So there is kind of a difference between those two moms for sure. Can you tell me a little bit about like what the difference is when those moms come to you? For a mom that's not that's not feeling super fulfilled in their job. They're in this place of stuckness where they're just trying to figure out what do I want to do with the rest of my life that feels worth it when I'm going to leave my kid for eight, nine hours a day, right? Because when you first become a mom, like that's all you really want to do. You just, you know, it feels like this is where I was meant to be. That's a very human quality, right? I call it our mama bear instinct. Like we were meant and designed and have a brain that tells us we should be with our kids all the time. We're supposed to keep them safe. Like this is the right place to be. But we also have this other part of our brain that says, well, we can do that and have a really super fulfilling career and life and make lots of complex decisions that take in bigger picture and perspective and all of these different things. 
when a working mom becomes a mom and that career that they spend eight or nine hours doing just doesn't feel worth it anymore, you kind of just go, now what do I do? And you have a heightened sense of responsibility because now you're a mom. And so now you feel even more stuck. Literally, you just dig yourself into this hole. And it's like, I just got to keep doing what I'm doing. This is my only option. The time to have changed careers was before. It's not now. It's all of this kind of dialogue that you have inside of you that isn't just about balance, right? And that's why almost everybody I work with has something like they're trying to figure out a balance. There's no question. But everybody's trying to figure out a balance in life. It's when you're trying to figure out how to internally balance your happiness and kind of what makes you personally fulfilled with how do you create a life for your kid that is setting them up for success and helping them to be the best human being at the same time. Like That's the real balance that, that I think is at the heart of the work that I do. And Rebecca, have you always been doing this work or is this something that you came to maybe after having kids? When I was pregnant with my first, who's almost six at this point, that was, I coached people through like a very similar crossroads that I had when I first became a mom. I was that exact mom that said, I don't really want to keep doing this anymore. And I commute an hour each way and I don't want to leave my child somewhere else for work that I'm not super interested and passionate about doing. But what do I want to do? This is what I've done my whole life. This is what I'm set up to do. This is, I'm the breadwinner of the family. This makes us good money. You know, it's all of those big questions. I hold the insurance for the family. Like, how do I make a pivot? I had to go through my own self-discovery process of figuring out what do I, what do I really want? What makes me happy? And see that that was more important <laughs> than the security of kind of staying where I was at at the times. So definitely, I went through this change myself right as I was becoming a mom. It all like collided as it just tends to be in the middle of life change. <laughs> Absolutely. What did you do before? I did high level event management. So I planned like 20 and 30,000 person conferences, big, big conferences. It was a, a place that I used the part of my brain that was really good at communication and problem solving and organization and all of that stuff, super good at it. Just it didn't float that boat of like, this is like who I am at the core. And this is what I want to spend my, my life doing, even though I was good at it. And absolutely, I think that that like breadwinner level makes things that much more pressure, right? Especially once you're having a kid and the financial responsibility. So what did those internal conversations look like? And then what did those conversations look like with your spouse when you really wanted to make a big change? The internal conversations with myself came over a couple in a couple of different ways. They came in a lot of personal reflection. They came in some of me hiring a coach myself. And then it came with kind of in a community setting as well. And ultimately, those conversations were a lot about asking myself the questions about who do I think I'm designed to be? What's my purpose in life? You know, that seems it's such a big question that we try to answer on some level in various seasons of life. Certainly, when we become moms, it becomes a time to re-ask that question again because so much changes. But just why am I here? What am I meant to do? And for me, as I really started to dive into some of that line of questioning, what became so apparent to me was that I am a people person. I am a relational person. And I'm relational in like a one-on-one -on -one setting. I'm not just a big extrovert, that kind of a people person. I'm actually only half extroverted and I'm half introverted. So I am all about wanting to go deep with people and like 
as deep as possible and as quickly as possible. And that's been the case my entire life. I'm one of those people that only have, I have a couple of close friends. I've never had a big friend group. That's not where I'm at. I'm the kind of friend that people come to when they have something going on and they need to, they need advice. They need to be cried to, you know, they need to cry. They need to do whatever. I was the friend that was asked to formally, kind of formally and informally mentor in various types of work settings, church settings, friend setting, all of these different things. Like I was that person that one would come to when they needed that type of person in their life. As I really started to see that trend from like elementary school, I could see that. I realized I care more about people than I care about the task at hand. Like I always cared more about my coworkers than I cared about the task at hand, you know, that sort of thing. And so it was just this moment where I said, well, why don't I just make people my job? What could I do that is people focused, right? That led me down the path of finding coaching. And then from the moment I I stepped foot in that first class, which wasn't, I was a virtual class. And the moment I was sitting there in that virtual class, sat down (laughs) with my earplugs in, (laughs) I just knew this was like, for me, I was literally, I was hooked from the moment I started for sure. It was like when your inner, the inner knowledge of you and like what you're meant to do, your purpose kind of matches the external action that was like collided in that moment. And it was beautiful. That's amazing. But you are at that point, right, going from a a very good career to building a coaching business from scratch. And so that was the next stage of like, how did you deal with this as a family? Clarity first. You always have to be clear, right? And that's, I work with all my clients on getting clear first because you can't take action at all. Your brain is going to stay confused unless you really, really know what you want. Establishing what you want first and then going into, well, how do you make that happen? You know, what's the implementation stage of that? I mean, of course, my husband was in conversations with me this entire time and he knew that I was ready to move on and start exploring these things. And as I was exploring some of this inner stuff with me and talking with him about it, he of course would affirm like, this is totally who you are and this is totally what you're about. Really the conversation around going into coaching training or coaching certification when I I decided to take that leap and make that investment, we both agreed this might just be a really, really expensive personal development bill. And if all that comes out on the other end of this is you learning how to be a better you and you kind of deepening just your sense of purpose as a human in life, I think it's still worth the expensive cost that it was. (laughs) If it doesn't come out on the other end, we both agreed to that. And thankfully in that first class, I came home and I'm like, no, 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 I will be making a coaching business out of this. This is exactly what I want to do. But I didn't know that to begin with. So there was a leap of faith in that of just deciding I'm going to I'm going to front the spill and I'm going to do this because I think it's who I'm meant to be and I'm going to trust that it's going to lead me down a path. So I was doing that while in that job and so it was really after that first day and being able to have that conversation with him that I said, "Okay, now how are we going to make this work?" And so that became what I kind of call the bridge the bridge season, right? Or the bridge plan. <laughs> how do you how do you get from where you are now to where you want to be? And how do you do that in the most economical or you know, the easiest way possible? For me, that was starting to think about I, what I ended up doing is I ended up being a contractor. So I ended up kind of leaving the job I was in full time, contracting, doing the events work that I was doing, knowing that that was just going to bridge me from here to there. I didn't know how much money that was going to leave. Like that was probably out of every leap of faith I've ever had in this entire time, that was probably it was the moment I decided to leave that job. 
and contract and shift all insurance to my husband and not have any clue if I was going to get any more work or not and just go, you know, and just go for it. This is how like the universe works, right? That year of contracting, I worked only part-time. I worked 20 hours a week because I was trying to build my coaching business on the side. And I made more money doing that than I had ever made before. Like it was my highest year ever. I think it just shows what's possible, you know, living in that level of possibility. And that actually raises a good question, right? Of like that bridge period of how do you fully come over to the next side, right? Because there is that money attraction of, well, now I made more money working part-time than ever before. <laughs> like, how do I leave? Yeah, for sure. But I wasn't happy. And I knew that every time I turned on my computer to do that work, it felt like I was dying inside. I mean, I don't mean <laughs> to be that dramatic, but it kind of feels that way. You feel so... It feels so hard to just turn on the computer and sit down to do a task that you don't want to do. I knew that no amount of money would make a difference for that, right? No amount of money was going was gonna to bring the kind of fill the gap of joy and happiness that was slowly dying inside of me. Even though I would still call that the biggest leap of faith I had, there was the, then the next phase, which was I have to leave the contracting job and just go into my coaching business simply on belief that I will make more money. Not seeing the money, not having the money yet, but just believing that when I let go of this thing that's causing me to internally die for a while, (laughs) when I let go of the energy behind that, the way it was just sucking me of life, when I let that go and I put all of my energy into something that was life-giving and that I can creatively think about and I can problem solve and I can evaluate and I could start to dream about, then... I have to believe that the money will be on the other side. I didn't know when, but (laughs) eventually. So how long did it take from like you signed up for that first coaching class to you were full-time coaching? That was, that was three years, I think. That sounds about right. And then three years, essentially three years since then, having been in my coaching practice at this point. And so I got to ask, so this, this feeling, right, where like that work is killing you, for lack of a better explanation, I think is very common. Often you're like, I can't wait three more years. I'm not going to make it three more years. And we, we often hear from people who want to like throw the baby out with the bathwater, like I'm just going to quit everything. I'm going to try to figure it out. And so how do you guide moms to make it through the bridge, to find a path that doesn't put them at greater risk? I think it really depends on on so many different factors that are going on, you know? So for some, that bridge, in terms of your financial situation, in some instances, just like figuring out how the bare minimum that you have to live on and learning how to start living off of that when you don't have to, so that because you're working towards a greater purpose is a big part of it. For some people, there's just a big leap of faith and there's just a desire, you know what, I'm going to cut all ties because I have to cut all ties. I'm going to take a loss for a while and be willing to take a loss for a while, whatever that. So then you have to figure out what you're going to do. Are you going to take on some debt to do that? Or are you going to rearrange assets to like make that work for a season? No matter what you choose in your bridge strategy, you have to believe, you have to believe in the why behind it more than the loss. You have to believe in your reasons so much so that when you think about it, yeah, sure, it makes you uncomfortable to move some assets around and have to figure out how to make that work. But when you do it, you know that level of discomfort you're willing to trade off for 
what you're going to get on the other side. Because life is really just a series of trade-offs anyway. So everything we're going to do, there isn't usually a perfect way from point A to point B. It's not ever linear. And so you have, you take, it's a series of little trade-offs where you go, which one of these is getting me to my bigger goal? Which one is getting me to the bigger goal? And how fast can I get there as I do it? So part of this, right, is balance, which I hate that word. Yeah, I hate just, the word too. It's <laughs> total, it never exists. But how does your life look different now that you're doing this work instead of event planning? And how have you built your business around being a parent so you don't get overwhelmed as an entrepreneur? What I think is the most fascinating piece of this is that that internal joy that I find in what I do now, I mean, it changes it changes all of the balance conversation, right? Because as I was talking about describing it earlier, I'm talking about internal balance. I'm not talking about external balance. I'm not talking about externally balancing your time in some equal equation that makes you makes it somehow magically life is balanced, right? Where you have this equal amount of time with kids and this equal amount of time of work or whatever, right? That's external balance that a lot of moms think that that's what they're looking for. How do I just do that? You know, what are the tricks and tips to doing that? Or what we're really talking, like balance is a feeling. It's something that you generate inside of you based on how you think. When all of a sudden I became more filled with joy and excitement for the work I was doing, it completely changed the conversation for me in terms of what balance actually looked like in my life. Now it was much more this, I call it your compass, your compass check of what is what's going to bring you joy and what's going to suck the life out of you right and that isn't necessarily a time thing sometimes that's just that's simple things like for me and my you know my almost 6 year old for example i refuse to play candyland with her because i hate that game i hate the game candyland i would rather tell her no i'm not going to play candyland and watch that little sad face of disappointment which you know of course she can be disappointed about that and find a game that we both can love to play together because my energy and what she's going to get from me as a mom is going to be so much better than if I just endured sitting through five rounds of Candyland and you know not, not winning every time <laughs> because she cheats and she thinks that blah, blah, blah. So <laughs> that I think is a balanced choice. That's me like managing my energy and seeing choosing the things that bring me joy in all situations, right? And being willing to feel the discomfort sometimes of my six-year-old being sad or having to miss out on, you know, a get-together with friends or whatever it may be, whatever is going to create that internal balance of joy for me. It, it becomes a completely different conversation. So all of that changed as I just started to spend more of my time in a job that I actually enjoyed doing because it wasn't I don't work 40 hours at this point. I work 30 hours right now. And as the school year starts, I'll probably work 35. And that's probably going to be my top. That'll probably be my cap. But I could see working 40 and having no like... I've been gauging that within me, kind of the internal like thoughts about that. And it's like, oh, I, I could do that because this brings me so much life over here. It doesn't even feel like I'm sacrificing time with my family to do it because I know when I'm with my family, I'm going to be such a better person when I'm with them that they would much prefer that. <laughs> and then the person they would have got if I had stayed in that job and you know endured even 30 hours of that job. It changes the whole dynamic of a conversation when you're, you're excited to get up every morning to do the thing that you're doing 
in your job and feel like you're it's purposeful and meaningful and you're headed in a direction you want to head and you you have vision over it and excitement about it. It's just it's a, it changes the balance conversation entirely. And I know this is going to be a layered complex answer that is probably many sessions with your clients, but I want to talk about internal balance for a second in that mom guilt, right? Of like never wanting to disappoint our kids, never wanting to disappoint our spouse or our friends. How do we start to honor our own balance and energy so that we can say, no, I'm not going to play Candyland, but let's play something else. <laughs> this is such a great topic that I'm, I'm actually doing a series on right now. I'm glad you bring it up because mom guilt is obviously such a big, be- between balance and mom guilt, I don't know which one you know I talk about the most <laughs> between those two. <laughs> I like to think about all really guilt is, it's a feeling that you're not living up to a standard a standard that it doesn't really matter who sets. It's usually set by somebody else or it's set by our culture or it's set by an other, right? Other than you. We have this subconsciously, guilt is just comes when you don't feel like you're living up to a particular, a particular set of standards. What I really walk through things with my clients is really setting your own standards. This is about your own expectations. It doesn't really matter what anybody else does or thinks or what they value or what's most important to them, it matters what you think and what you value and what's most important to you. So the clarity process of understanding that first has to, has to be understood. And that alone can be a game changer. From, it always is a game changer. Sometimes there's more work on top of that. But sometimes that alone is enough for you to be able to make a decision rather easily to say yes to something or say no to something based on that. I talk about, like I walk my clients through, we talk about things like values, we talk about things like purpose and their identity. Like this is the compass work that I talk about. This is like, what makes you you? What are you all about? What do you care most about, right? And naming all of those things. What happens then, once you start to name it, then of course the implementation process is a whole nother, is a whole nother factor. It's not, we don't want to just get clear to get clear. We all want to get clear so we can actually use it and make decisions based on it and actually live life based upon this ideal this ideal thing that you've decided for yourself. And so the implementation process is where is the second kind of half of the work that happens. That's where you start to get into a lot of people pleasing or you don't want to disappoint others or even or your kids or whatever that might be. And you start to make decisions or you start to like fudge your own compass, your own values and things like that for the sake of other people. I call that people sacrificing. I don't call it people pleasing (laughs) because I think people pleasing is actually okay. Like it's an okay thing to want to bring joy to somebody else, right? That's an okay thing. It's not okay to constantly sacrifice yourself for the sake of somebody else. It all has to do with where your energy is coming from. And so in the people sacrificing, what we start to look at is when you go to actually make that choice, when you actually go to like say no to someone or go to your six-year-old and say, I'm not going to play that, you have to be willing to do a couple of things. You have you have to be willing to feel a little bit of sadness in the saying no and the discomfort of that. You have to be willing to do that. And you have to be willing to let them feel uncomfortable or sad or dissatisfied too at the same time. Like, I, So I call this expanding your willingness to feel negative feelings ultimately. So and the range of negative feelings could be anything from sadness and disappointment or anger or frustration or whatever. Like we do this all the time with our kids, right? They, particularly when they're like three, as my youngest one is, he shares a lot of emotions right now. Most of them very unfounded. 
because I gave him the wrong color milk cup or, you know, whatever it may be. And it's like 20 minutes of this emotion coming out of, <laughs> coming out of him. If I constantly felt the need to cater to him in the midst of these tantrums, then I would be drained of absolutely every ounce of energy possible versus saying, versus like expanding my willingness to feel discomfort and say, he's got some feelings about that. And that's okay for him to be upset that I didn't give him the correct cup first. I'm just going to let him feel and tantrum and come and comfort him and let him know that I love him and I'll be here when he when he's done or whatever it may be and walk away. It's this emotional wall. It can sound on some level like I'm a, an emotionless parent, but really all I've done is I've been, I can be completely sympathetic with him and be very present with him, but not feel the need to make it mean anything about me. Doesn't mean anything about me as a mom, the fact that he's crying. It doesn't make me terrible. It doesn't mean anything except that he has some feelings about it and that's okay. <laughs> I have feelings about things too. And I think from a positive perspective, right, it's that flip side of parenting, very common when we were growing up of like, just suck it up, stop crying, yelling at the kid to just stop. And that's not healthy. Yeah, I work very hard at not doing that for sure. And that has like built up this ability, just working with my kids, it's built up this ability to do that with adults as well. And to be able to say no and know that they're going to be kind of disappointed or frustrated or even angry sometimes and be say and kind of say that makes sense that you would feel that way and I'm still not going to do it and that's okay for you to feel that way too. So just expanding our willingness to feel negative emotions. When you really dig into it, we make lots of decisions to avoid the feeling, the negative feelings that come on any subject or the we don't really want to feel the negative feelings that we're going to have when somebody else is feeling the negative feelings. That's really what it's all about, right? We like to say, I don't want to disappoint someone, but it's actually that we don't want to feel the feelings that come when they feel disappointed. <laughs> yeah. We, we just want to avoid conflict in all we forms. Just, we just want to avoid it all. Right. Absolutely. I want to go through a little bit of when clients come to you in the work that you do. So one of the questions is, you know, you brought up purpose and and creating your personal compass. But I think for a lot of women that are in this space, right, of they've had kids and they don't know what to do. And this pressure of like, chase your past and chase your purpose can be really overwhelming if you're like, I have no idea what that is. And now I'm really stuck. So what are the first things you do to work through helping someone find that purpose? Purpose always comes third for me. So we do values, identity, and purpose. And I do it that way because I think finding some definitions around your values and your identity is going to give you some language to help. The purpose conversation becomes a lot easier when we're kind of mid-motion already and thinking about values and identity. And those tend to be a little easier for people to kind of identify. I mean, they could still be challenging, but a little bit easier than just jumping right into the purpose conversation. Yes, absolutely. Letting it be okay that we experience some negative feelings now, especially if it preserves our balance later, it's a, it's a valuable skill. Now, I want to move into your work and what brings moms to you. Before we do that, let's take a quick pause to hear about our partners who help make the Smart Money Mama show possible. Have you ever wanted to start a blog or online business, but were intimidated by the tech or worried that it would cost far too much money? What if you could set up your site in just minutes for less than $3 a month? Bluehost lets you do just that. For $2.95 a month, you can buy your own domain name, host your website, and instantly install WordPress so you can get right to work creating your corner of the internet. 
When I started Smart Money Mamas, Bluehost had me up and running in less than 15 minutes, writing my first blog post and putting me on the path to where I am today. And when I got stuck, support was there to jump in and help me keep moving. I am forever grateful to them for making my first step in this journey so easy. So are you ready to start your online business? Head to smartmoneymamas.com forward slash Bluehost to dive in. The values and identity, how do you walk through that? With values, the way that I work with my clients is that they do some homework on their own that I give them exercises, reflections, things like that. And they come back and we start and then we kind of def- we jump into each of these topics. So they, they spend some time thinking when it comes to values. I like to think about our values or I think the easiest way to think about our values and they kind of get a bunch of questions that helps them walk through this. An easy way to identify our values is when we feel when something rubs us the wrong way or when we feel super energized by something. I think sometimes it's a lot easier to identify our energy than it is to like name a word that we're calling a value, right? And so when you feel that jolt of like movement towards something, that's usually when a value is being honored within you. And when you feel that sense of like dissonance and resistance or, you know, frustration or anger, something like that, something big comes up, usually we can also point back to a value that is not being honored in that time as well. So we spend a lot of time thinking through lots of scenarios in their life around where, what tends to trigger them? Like, what do they hate about their co, you know, some of their coworkers? Like we go to the extremes because usually the, in the extremes, we can find a through line of some of these ideas and these values that you have. Like values at, at the core are kind of this basis for how we make decisions essentially. And we usually obviously do this in a very subconscious way. We don't think through our core values and then lay out our options and figure it out. Although they do with me (laughs) once we name them, because we always come back to them and say, if you're going to make a decision based on your values, you know, what would you do? It becomes that tool for that. But in the beginning, it's really just what would you name as your high, big high, where you just felt like you were really, you were really on it. And you were really being used in, you know, a way that felt really purposeful to you. And then at the other side, like name one of the like the worst moments of life. How were you feeling? What was going on in the midst of that time? What was rubbing you the wrong way? That sort of thing. So we kind of walk through those to kind of come to and then ultimately we look like a, at a list of words and we start to pull pull them out. It's hard to come out, you know, it's hard to just pull these things out of your brain. So we use some of those kinds of tools in order to find some words. And I try to get them down to about six. Okay. So we have like six values. Yeah. And then what does our identity look like? Our identity is what I like to think of as more of our roles that we play in our life, but not like mom, you know, mom, worker, wife, things like that, daughter. Those are roles too, obviously. But thinking more about how, what do you uniquely bring to all of the roles that you play? So we're both moms, right? But we're both completely different moms and we both have jobs and we both approach those jobs in a completely different way. Our identity is the way that we approach life as in how we show up to it. And so I, there are always words that are, uh, what's the word? They're like, they're not pronouns, but so it's like you're an adventurer or you're a teacher or you're an advocate. You know, these are, these are like embodiment types of words of the roles that you play. We come up with this kind of language doing very similar exercises to the values and trying to find them. But I also have them go out and ask some of their friends around some of these things too. And I try to get like, I have them get a little bit of a bigger 360 view of, of who they are. 
And then we go through and we do the same thing. And we list, we find these words, we identify them and say like, this is two two of you showed up to do the same job that you're doing and you both do your job well, like what's the difference between how you each are approaching those jobs, right? And so we, we really look to the nuance of those things. Can you give me an example? Like how do you define your identity or one of your client's identities? We come up with five words, five role statements, and then we come up with definitions for them. So my five are truthsayer, pursuer, leader, includer, and mentor. And then we come up with basically definitions around each of these. So like for the truthsayer, I want people to live into the fullness of the life that they're living now. As a pursuer, I want to go after the relationships and promptings of others. As a leader, I want to step up with confidence when order, structure, or decisions are needed. As an includer, I want everyone I encounter to feel a sense of belonging. And as a mentor, I want to contribute to building people up to live fully into the person that they were meant to be. Some people have some of these words, like leader and mentor, for example, are not uncommon types of words that people might come up with. But what they mean to me, you know, is very different than what they're going to mean to them. And so really understanding that for them and having to like draw out this like internal language, like this is just stuff that you do, right? Most people kind of go, but I just kind of, doesn't everybody do that? Isn't that just the way? And I'm like, no, it's, it's not actually. I talk to a lot of women and that is not the way that they do it. It is unique within you. And that's always kind of mind blowing for people when you have to start dissecting like these just kind of everyday ways that you are and you act and things that you value. And then to find out that not everybody, not everybody does that. <laughs> well, I think it's so automatic for us, right? That we just assume that that's the way people that's operate. It's way, much right? easier. We haven't thought about it. So why would anyone else? I think values and identity go, they, they go real hand in hand because we talk a lot, like values are really interesting because a lot of people will say things like, well, doesn't everybody value kindness and love and honesty? You know, those are very common values that people would name. And that's true. Of course, on some level, we all value that. But when we are making clear decisions, are we making decisions based on the, like this as the top, top, top criteria? right? Is this the forefront of our mind? And it's kind of the same thing with our identity as well. Like, is this, this is how we uniquely show up in this world and are designed. It's just who we are. We just, this is who we live into our being and really like owning it. Naming it is a process of just owning it and feeling the confidence of living into it. So once you've kind of defined these values and your identity, you've described what it means for you. Do you find that a lot of people start to see the through lines to the work they want to be doing? Definitely, definitely. So then as we enter into the purpose conversation, I usually make them go back and look at their values and their identity and start to name the through line. Like, what are the words you're using that are similar? What's the, what are, what's the message that's coming through that's very similar? And we can, you can easily, sometimes in our sessions, it kind of depends on the person, but sometimes we'll even look at all of these words. Now we have you know, somewhere between 10 and 12 words in front of us with definitions. And I'll just say, just sit back and look at this person. Like, don't think of them as you. Just if this was a person in front of you and this is all you knew about them and you're just looking at this, like, what do you notice about this person? You know, what do they like? What do they don't like? Like, what are, what's the theme that you see? How do you think they show up as it relates to the kind of work they're interested in doing? And what do you think makes them a really good worker based on these things? You know, we just start to look at it from a different perspective. There's a lot of language that can start to come up out of that that's really helpful to start to think about, 
you know, how they're going to apply this down the line to potentially a career or whatever it is that they might be looking for in that. And so then as we come into the purpose conversation, my goal and purpose, so purpose and career are not synonymous, though most people want to make them synonymous. (laughs) Your purpose is, it's like, I just call it, it's why you're here on this earth. I like to think of our purpose as in a little bit more generality. Our career is the way we're choosing to embody our purpose today, or is in one of the ways we're choosing to embody our purpose today. But we should be embodying our purpose in our mom life as well, and on our, in our home life, and in our communities, and so forth, that we honor it there as well. What I love about that is then we're not really married to what we're doing now. Like I could pivot in five years and decide I'm, I don't want to do what I'm doing anymore. And that won't mean that my purpose has changed. Like it just means that I'm making a choice to live into it in a, in a different way. And I think that's really important for some people because a lot of times when they come to me and they've been 15, you know, 15 to 20 years in a career and they say, I don't, I don't want to feel like I've just wasted it. It's like you have been shaped by this career that you've had all the way up until this moment. And it's not as if we're changing your purpose. We're just changing the way that you're choosing to embody it. It's a softer way to kind of accept the desire for change, I think, in our brain and to see that your path is still linear from where you've been in the last 15 to 20 years into where you're going next. Like there's still a connection between all of those things. When I have them name their purpose, I have them name it as a metaphor and then as a definition behind that metaphor. And so as an example, what we normally do is we come up with the statement first and then we find a metaphor to to support it. So if the word that or the phrase that we come up with, uh, the statement we come up with is something like, I want to help guide people in the challenging times of life. We start thinking about, okay, well, what's a guide? What are different types of guides that are out there? I remember I had a client that her metaphor was a Sherpa, you know, as a type of guide. And then another one would be like a lighthouse. And it would be like, I am a lighthouse that guides people in the challenging times of life, right? And I think the metaphor I I find is really powerful because our brains really like images and pictures. And we think in images and pictures when we can latch onto a picture in our brain of of who we are, like our, our brain starts to be able to really get familiar with that in a way that just 15 words on a page is a little bit different for us. And so I like the, I like walking my clients through the, the metaphor for that reason. So another example could be like, I'm the crashing wave that sweeps around barriers to aliveness. That was another client one that's like very esoteric. Or I'm the lightning that rolls the thunder of change. I mean, some of these things, most people are kind of like, really, am I the lightning of thunder? And I'm like, well, nobody has to read this. That's not the point. The point is for you to feel... Until you read them out on the I know, podcast. Until you read them out on the... Well, you're never going to know who those are. <laughs> but, I'm teasing. <laughs> but I kind of go, yeah, it needs to be that big. Like you were designed for a big purpose here. You have to believe that that's true in order for you to go out and find the thing that you want to do in your life, you have to first believe that your potential is within you and that you were meant for something great. So yes, let's use big, big sweeping language that talks about that. And sure, if you'd like to put that on your resume, go for it. But likely you're probably not. It's just going to be something that guides you internally. It's part of that internal compass, right? And I think that's such a big roadblock, right? Of like, as soon as you're saying these big things, these big metaphors... Do you work with clients through, how do you believe you have that big purpose? I think because the purpose comes after all of this work through your values and identities, like this is just a natural next sentence to write, 
when you write your purpose. It feels it it feels completely connected to the other two exercises where you've spent probably a couple of hours at least thinking through experiences in your life and finding through lines and asking other people to to give you words about you and starting to make all of these pieces together, right? I think if we're still at that point when we write the purpose and they're going, I don't really know, like that's when I start to ask them to get into to do some real some just simple daily reflection of how do you see yourself showing up in this way in this moment today. If your purpose has nothing to do with the career you choose, it's just you're embodying it today. There is going to be evidence of that today. Let's find even like the the little bits of evidence today. Your brain just needs to latch on to the idea in a little bit in smaller increments. And the more that you do that, the more it begins to accept this idea. Eventually, it just becomes a really easy thing to think. Like our brains are just think the easiest thoughts always. That's the way I like to describe it. Our brains are really lazy. So it just wants to think the easiest thoughts possible, which are always the thoughts that we've most thought. Whether they're true or not, it doesn't really matter. They're the thoughts that we think the most. And so we just have to spend time introducing new ideas or new thoughts that become more dominant through simply repetition that then become a new way of thinking ultimately. And so, I mean, in a very simple way, a lot of our work is just about let's go another level deeper and let's tell your brain, here's another form of evidence on how this is true. This is true. This is true. Let's show them how. And we just do that over and over and over again over the course of all of our time together. This ties a little bit to that self-worth and belief in the bigger purpose, but I want to come back to us for a second to you investing in this life coaching course and it being a big expense and you and your husband having to decide that it was worth it regardless of where it turned out. My question for you is, what advice do you give women to take that risk? Because I think so often, or we hear for so often from women in our community, well, what if I'm wrong? What if this doesn't work out? What if I switch careers and I don't like that either? And so I'm just going to stay where I am. So how do they overcome that hurdle? This is where the clarity piece has to be crystal clear. So I think that you can be clear on why you're doing something and really not sure how it's going to happen. (laughs) We never know how anything is going to happen in our life until it actually happens. And then we can look back at our life and say, oh, this is how that happened, right? We can be 99.9% sure because there seems to be a track record for the human race on how this happens. (laughs) But we're never really sure on how it's going to happen to us until it actually happens. And so, so many of the women I work with are trying to find the how. You get stuck in the how. How is this going to happen? How is this going to happen? Versus why? Why do I want this to happen? And why do I believe it's the best thing for me? And really grounding yourself in the clarity and the purpose behind it and trusting that if you're that clear that you will figure out the how in the end. Really, the how is just your self-belief. It's just your self-concept. It's your willingness to put yourself out there and fail and not make that mean anything except that you need to try something different. Just because you tried a career and it didn't work out or a job and it didn't work out doesn't necessarily mean you're wrong. Like That could be the thing that gets you to the next career or the next job that might be the job that you love and the career that you love. We don't know, but if you stay... If you're constantly down on yourself and thinking there's a right or a wrong and trying to focus in on, a, on some magical how, you're always going to stay stuck and you're never going to move forward because you never know the how. 
you could only ever be certain of your why. And so I was really, really certain of my why. I knew exactly why I wanted to do that and was willing to just become the best human being possible and make a large investment to just be an amazing human being and be okay with that. And I wasn't sure how a business would form from that. And so for a lot of my clients, we that's why we focus so much on getting clear on the why and you believing in that so strongly. Why am I here? And why do I want what I want out of my life? And why do I operate the way that I operate? And believing in that first and getting clear about that so that when you're faced with any decision that feels a little risky or feels like you're kind of putting yourself out there or feels like you're going to take a little bit of a leap, you can trust that you were designed for this and that you know all of the reasons why and you feel 100% about it. And that even if it doesn't go exactly as planned, that you're not going to make that mean anything except that now you need to pick yourself up and try and pivot a little bit and find a different way out, find a different way through it, right? I work a lot, not all of my clients, but a lot of my clients, I go through this entire process and we go into like the actual job searching part of this whole career change process, not for everybody, but for some of them. And as we get into that piece, you know, I have to really push them to like think outside of the, allow themselves to really think outside of the box and not think about the end result. Like we don't know what that job is. So we're not even trying to define the job. We don't want to put those parameters on it. We know we want to just focus on what we know and start to search based on that and let the process unfold before us and trust yourself enough that when you see it, you will know. You are connected to yourself and all of the self-discovery work to know that it's exactly where you're supposed to be. So a lot of this is obviously self-internal work, but what's the importance of community in this journey? Oh, I think community is huge. I mean, I we as humans, we are 90% more likely to accomplish something in our life if we have someone keeping us accountable to it. 90% more likely to accomplish something if somebody is keeping us accountable to it. That's huge. I don't think we were meant to ever be alone. In Americans, we're the most independent type of person out there in a country that definitely raises the independence idea up more than a lot of other cultures. And I think it's to our detriment because we don't know how to ask for help and to depend on others and to see that when you're in a group of people that are supporting each other and that are holding you to a set of standards that you've asked them to hold you to on some level, whether it's spoken or unspoken, that is going to set you up to move toward the life that you want so much faster than if you're just trying to do this on your own. There's some moments that I, you know, intentionally ask people, my clients, like, I want you to invite this person in and ask them for some of their thoughts and so forth. And then a lot of our time is, how are you going to keep yourself accountable to this? Who are you going to talk to about this? What do you need to do in order to, who do you want to put in your life to walk you through you, walk with you through this journey so that by the other end of it, you've, you've set yourself up for the accountability success that needs to be there. All right, Rebecca, as we wrap up here, what piece of advice do you have for moms, the one thing you want them to walk away with, that they're feeling stuck? Mm, The one, can I have two? Mm, You can have two. (laughs) I will let you have two. I would say two things. One is it has to start with your internal clarity first. So I know our stuckness, when we feel stuck, we want to solve the external problem. We want to solve what do I want out of my career? We want to solve how do I fix my time and my schedule? You know, all of these external things. And we want to get internally clear first. So it's an in, always an internal process that will change 
your external decisions that you make. And so when you're feeling a sense of stuckness, instead of starting with trying to fix the external problem, like got to do the internal work first. Why are you feeling stuck? Where Where is the dissonance and the resistance and starting to sort through your unhappiness likely and where all of that stems from and start at the source of fixing those things first and know that what will come after that will be changes externally that you might be looking for. And then the second thing is that you have to see your happiness as being the number one priority above your kids even, which is always the big one for people, right? So your happiness has to come even before your kids because when you show up, when your glass is totally full, when you show up feeling like the best person, the best human that you can be, you will be the best mom that you can be, right? If you're constantly living at glass half empty or even like completely dry, I know as a lot of moms live, you have to see that you're not actually serving at the best possible level that you can, even your kids. And so what that means is that you have to put you first. You have to invest your time, your energy, your money in you, knowing that everybody else around you is going to pay out because of it. And before we let you go, we have one more silly thing we have to do, which is we have to have you try on our Smart Money Mama's sorting hat. Okay. So the sorting hat is our version of the hot seat where we ask the magical hat to reveal something about you. It has a number of questions about money, motherhood, and life. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm all over it. What's a big money goal you're working towards right now? Oh, that's such a great question. I am working toward a $200,000 business this year. So I'm looking to make $200,000. Where were you last year? 106. That's a big year. It's a big year. I'm going to be honest and say I'm evaluating it now mid-year to see. (laughs) It's totally okay to pivot, right? So I started the year at thinking 200,000. I would rather feel awesome about making 150 than feel terrible at the end of the year and not make 200. So I'm in the middle of evaluating that now, but 200 is where I started the year. That's awesome. Well, good luck. And where can people find you, find your coaching services? Tell us a little bit about it. My website is just RebeccaOlsonCoaching.com. You can kind of find all things related to me there. I am in the middle of taking new clients at this moment. One of the, the free things that I offer is what I like to call a breakthrough call. This is a chance for, yes, for us to kind of get to know each other and kind of figure out if coaching is going to work. But even more than that, our coaching journey begins on this call. Like, I want you to walk away feeling extremely clear around exactly why you're feeling stuck and where your challenges are, what's getting in the way of where you want to go, and start to actually create that roadmap for like, here are the three to five things that are going to get you to where you want to go. And we name all of that on that first call and kind of lay it out as a plan for us so that we really start our time together if we end up working together in the right way. And so it's a really, I call it a breakthrough call for a reason. Obviously, I want people to literally walk away feeling like they had at least a mini breakthrough of some kind and feeling like they know what their next steps are. I would love to speak to anyone that's ready for that kind of breakthrough in their life. That's fantastic. We'll have links to all of that in the show notes, mamas. Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us. I hope we get to talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Chelsea. It's been a real pleasure. Mamas, I think every working mom would benefit from being coached by Rebecca. Particularly, I love her encouragement for moms to get honest about what they want, what they enjoy, and what their skills are so that they can think outside the box to design their life and work around what they need. 
We talked about this a little bit in episode 47 on why self-care is so hard for moms, but we tend to lose sight of who we are and what we enjoy as we become adults and then as we become mothers. Doing that introspective work requires peeling back some layers, but it can help us see what's really important. As always, I've rounded up my top three favorite takeaways from this conversation with Rebecca so you can better align your work and your life. First, we have to strive for our own sense of internal balance. Whenever I've thought about balance in the past, I've thought about it from a scheduling perspective. Rebecca's perspective was incredibly eye-opening of thinking about balance as managing our own energy and resources. That saying no to things that drain us and respecting what our minds and bodies need is an integral part of having true balance in your life, even if that means saying no to your kids sometimes or not engaging with their mood swings. Rebecca's point about how she can work more hours as a life coach and feel in better balance as a parent than she felt when she was working fewer hours in event planning is a great example. I feel the same way about my smart money mama's work compared to my investing work. You have to decide what fills your cup in all areas of your life and prioritize keeping yourself full and internally balanced. Second, at some point, you're going to have to take a leap of faith. Whether you're starting a business, completely changing careers, or just applying for a new job or promotion, at some point, you have to take a risk. Things can't change if you continue to stay where you are. And as we've talked about before on the show, we're not fortune tellers. You don't get to know where the next big step is going to take you. But if you want to find work that has meaning to you and fits who you are and the type of parent you are, you have to be willing to make those changes. Do your introspection and research. Talk to your spouse or friends, and then take the leap. And finally, third, you're destined for big things. Don't get stuck on the how. I really enjoyed Rebecca's exercise with clients of creating a metaphor that embodies your purpose, because metaphors can have so many different meanings, and those meanings can change with circumstance and moods and stage of life. As Rebecca says, your path is linear. You're never making a break or starting over in a way that doesn't connect back to all the things you've done before. You've never, quote unquote, wasted time in a career because you learned and grew from every experience. What we have to remember is that our metaphor, our big, great purpose, still holds true even when we need to make changes to how we embody that purpose and maintain our internal balance. Even when things feel uncertain, you're still destined for amazing things. You've got this. Mamas, I want to thank Rebecca again for joining me on the show and sharing her story and strategies for aligning career and family for working moms. As a reminder, you can download your free copy of the Discover Your Passion Project workbook and access a summary of our key takeaways along with links to Rebecca's site and her coaching programs at smartmoneymamas.com forward slash Rebecca. If you enjoyed this episode, hit subscribe and tell a friend. We appreciate you helping more mamas build wealth and create fulfillment in their lives. Keep talking money, mamas. I'll see you next time.